Hello there, and welcome to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico, and joining me is... Uh, Spicy McCrispy. No, no. Scotty Hurts here. I walk past that sign every day. It's so tempting. Adam and I were talking about uh, fast food a bit before showtime there, but one day I'll reveal my, my proper name, but it's too soon. All right, cool. Uh, good. But note. it rhymes with spicy McCrispy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. No, it's uh, I, I, it's I don't close. know. I don't know if you had that set up before we started talking about uh, some of the things we were talking about before the recording started. But uh, it's nice when things work out. Sometimes it just comes out, you know. I don't. <laughs> 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 it's a that's our mission statement isn't it sometimes the story just comes out sometimes it's yeah sometimes it just works out all right open sources is CFRU's political and current affairs discussion show and you can find us here every thursday at 5 p.m as we talk about the latest news items from guelph ontario canada and around the world and we sometimes interview local newsmakers and politicians which this week will be the new ward three city councillor michelle richardson who is going to talk to us about, well, uh, Bill 23, still uh, st- still a big issue, a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, the new planning meeting, that's uh, the next planning meeting that's coming up next week, and uh, we're going to talk about some of uh, Councillor Richardson's potential pecuniary interests. Stay tuned for that. I hope that's spicy. Speaking of spicy, we're talking about conflicts of interest, so... Um, there you go. Uh, that's going to be at the bottom of the hour. Before that, we're going to talk about news items from the last week, including China. Their COVID zero restrictions have spawned a series of countrywide protests, the likes of which haven't been seen probably since Tiananmen Square. But will this result in anything resembling political change in China? But first, we have to talk about dinner. Yeah. And not not just any dinner, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you've you've probably seen the news about uh, what happened at a little uh, little known Florida establishment called Mar-a-Lago last week. Um, Donald Trump, who you may have heard of, uh, had dinner with Kanye West, who you also may have heard of. And uh, Kanye West brought along a couple of uh, in Trump. If if you were to phrase them in Trump terms, you would call them real beauties. Um, <laughs> that's right (laughs) um it's it's we can laugh but it's no laughing matter Uh, trump had dinner with kanye west and kanye west brought with him nick fuentes who is an avowed holocaust denier white nationalist and um you know he he's a big proponent of incel culture although he doesn't call himself an incel he calls him a vault calls himself a volcel which means exactly what you think means a voluntary celibate basically he's too busy to bother with um romantic interest in the opposite sex uh his story uh but they were also joined by milo yiannopoulos who people may remember uh was a breitbart culture columnist uh, until he flushed his book deal and his entire career down the drain by basically saying that you know pedophiles have some good ideas and uh that's where we are in the situation. Trump, of course, has denied knowing who Fuentes is because, you know, when you live in a private country club as the former president of the United States, you know, you could just let, pe- let people just walk in and join you for dinner. 
Uh, but I mean, it is kind of, again, we're, we're kind of joking about it, but it is kind of scary that these are the people that uh, the current front runner for the Republican nominee for president of the United States is enjoying spending time with, even when members of his party say that there are no place in their party for anti-Semites. Yeah, I don't know how the invite works in Mar-a-Lago. It's <laughs> Kanye, or sorry, Yeez, he's now known calls and I'm coming and I'm bringing couple of fash i i don't know like <laughs> is there I, a fash raid at mar-a-lago <laughs> i would i would i'd love to hear that yay was performing you know doing performance art or something like borat right like he's trying to make some kind of statement yeah, yeah. but sadly that is clearly not the case and at one point i don't know if you heard this adam that he he wants trump to be his running mate for president and yiannopoulos is going to be um a c- campaign manager I'm not sure if that was somebody just speculating, but it's like it would it's not too far fetched. It was like this this would not surprise me if this is why I don't know if he went to get the blessing or like or what either either Yiannopoulos or Fuentes like did like a like a TikTok of what went down. And uh yes, um that is apparently something that happened. And would you believe it? It was at that point Trump got upset. (laughs) <laughs> that being asked to play second fiddle to Kanye West was the uh, was the grievous offense Trump did not enjoy at, in this meal. <laughs> oh, shocking, right? Like, and sadly, because of the story, I had to learn way too much about this Fuentes guy. I had seen yeah. him. I had seen him before in passing on Twitter. It's like, who is this clown? It's another one, right? Mm-hmm. The alt right's newest pinup to some degree, and. He the followers are called Groypers. I didn't even mm-hmm. deep dive into what that means because I don't want to know. Now, interestingly, <laughs> he said I'd, he'd say he was a a Christian conservative. Hey, have we heard that one before? Does that sound familiar? Does that remind mm-hmm. you of somebody that? Might have... But he's Christian conservative plus in that, like he does not hide the anti-Semitism. It, it isn't even just that that sort of. I hate to say this, but there is that nudge nudge level among these types. This mm-hmm. guy is clearly. Have I got it right? He was, and he would have been really young too. The Charlottesville incident, let's call it. He was one of the people there. He would have, he yeah, wouldn't he was even, there. He, what, was he, he wouldn't even have been university age. He's just sort of an associate of these dirtbags. Right? I think he was 17 when he went. Yeah. Oh boy. Start early, right? God. Well, well, I mean, that's the whole thing about his America first pack, which is, um, is that basically. what it is? So yeah, you need to explain this to me. Cause I honestly don't know this guy's origin story. Like I saw the AF and assume that was America first, but he is, this yeah, is his thing. He's just like blogger podcast dude with an opinion. Yeah. He's That's like, it. he's like the evil Charlie Kirk, which is really saying oh, something, right? Which is like, his shtick is like, I'm going to appeal to the youths and get them hooked on white supremacy early. Um, and, and, and rally this like, you know racist anger um it, apparently a lot of his like because what he does is famously he had like uh in america first like meeting like at the same time almost right next door to the um to the cpac meeting which is the big conservative meeting yeah. um and of course cpac won't let him in so yeah. he's he, he's the more normal conservatives <laughs> right um yeah, so uh, what what Fuentes does is he pitches a tent next to the the CPAC, and what it does is it, um, from what I understand from people who like make it a like they earn a living studying people like Fuentes is, um, 
enough parents are savvy enough um, to say that if someone's to to say that if their kid goes to them and says, I want to go to AF pack, the parents are going to say, no, that guy Fuentes is a nut job. But on the other hand, if they go, well, I'm going to go to the CPAC, that's a kind of more, the more acceptable face of conservative. So it's like buying the right. ticket for the PG 13 movie to get into the rated R movie, um, except with <laughs> white supremacy. Um, so yeah, this is, this this is got this is a guy not to be trifled with because you know he's basically compared you know the holocaust which again he doesn't believe in but he's he's joked about it by comparing you know people burning alive in ovens to cookies um he this is a guy who this is a guy who um he almost said the n-word on one of his like broadcasts and he goes oh god i almost said it i almost said and he's kind of like joking about it too um and yeah, it, it like it's it, a lot of it is so vile. And you know, you're talking about the buzzwords. Famously, the three of them went on Tim Pool's podcast like oh, earlier this week. Oh, yeah, God. Tim. Well, Tim Pool. Tim Pool's a character. Like all these people are characters, but Tim Pool's like a weirdo character because he started out live streaming from Occupy, so he kind of set himself up as kind of like a lefty agitator. But his his opinions and his audience are almost entirely right wing. But they go on his podcast and he's talking and and you know, Tim Pool is smart enough to know that it, it, when people start talking about anti-Semitism or start start talking like anti-Semites, he's probably going to get thrown off YouTube. And so this is where Kanye's going. And 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 Tim Pool says to them, well, I understand people are uh, that, that they are treating you badly. He puts the emphasis on they and the three of them start getting up on Tim Pool. And they're like, well, who are they, Tim? Who are they? And Tim's like, well, I mean, the corporate media, they're all throwing you under the bus. And then Kanye gets up to leave and Milo and, and Nick follow him. And, um, I, you know, so there's there's some weirdo internal dynamics here where I'm. I'm not sure who's leading who. This is like three blind mice territory. Like who's who's in charge here? Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 bizarre to see how they run. Yeah. yeah, and it's they they're an unlikely posse too because the, the posse the, the the value the value crossover is is weird. I mean, somebody to, claiming to be anti well he is i'm not saying he's claiming he is an anti-semitic person mm-hmm. and christian conservative conflict with the values of uh Yiannopoulos, who is gay but also if you're a white supremacist your best buddy is yay like i i don't know like i don't understand mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. and i don't i don't really want to understand but it does need to be understood it was it was interesting <laughs> i saw biden's comment and of course, he's got the shades on. He's gotten full Clint Eastwood. He's like, I don't think you want to hear what I think about these people. Like, it's like, yeah, that's that's Biden in, in full Clint mode. But yeah, yeah and and Trump's the Jew, Trump's Jew, over this whole thing. Trump's Jewish allies are up in arms, and I honestly can't believe it took this long. Uh, you know, they, they will tolerate so much. The mm-hmm. pro-Israel lobby, I mean specifically. Oh man, I don't want to get in trouble now too. But uh, well, these are all marriages of convenience, right? Like, right, exactly. The, the thing with the you know the Netanyahu's of the world is that the Netanyahu knows he's, he can get more out of Trump, who has no ideology and just wants to be liked and wants to be in the cool. I mean, that's the whole thing with when Kanye West shows up is you know Donald Trump is gagging to be part of the the, the establishment and the cool cliques and the cool people and the status people even though he claims to hate them all he he doesn't he wants to be a part of it he wants to be acknowledged 
And it's in, in the case of Netanyahu, like, yeah, yeah, only Trump was going to move the embassy to Jerusalem. Only Trump was going to say, yeah, 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 Israel has all the rights to the West Bank because Donald Trump has no interest or ability to understand the hundreds and thousands of years of history. Uh, and and I, I think it's interesting to watch, like, what are the limits of these marriages of convenience? You know, um, one would think Kanye having lost, I'm not calling him yay. I mean, that's, no. it's it's like, it seems like a, a you know you give you give you give your friend a nickname and, and but, um but you know he, I don't think he's a friend to anyone right now but you know you you would think losing all these endorsements and losing like all this money and you know essentially being a shield I mean that's the other thing too is that he's a shield now Nick Fuentes can go like look I'm with Kanye West you can't call me a racist I'm with the black guy which is you know the ultimate expression of racism to say well I have a black friend so I can get away with these things it's it, it's it, also it, clearly anti-semitic sure I mean, yeah <laughs> this is the thread right like yeah hanging with the cool kids right <laughs> try, yeah. try and get some cool points by by Going with the washed-up rapper. Well, they're very rich too, though, right? So he can he can bankroll a lot. I think till he's till he's maxed well, out. I well, don't I don't know what his net worth is, but I know it went. It, it's one of those. It went from a billion to nine hundred million or something. It's like okay, so yeah. there's not like he's, you know, he's not busking, right? <laughs> like right. So this well, is problematic. This is a problem. Yeah, this is going to be a problem. And the Money flip side of it is power in America, right? Like, right. And the flip side of this too is that uh, I think Fuentes. Oh no, Yiannopoulos said this is that the whole point of them going to dinner with Trump was like to confront Trump by telling him he's getting bad advice from the people who are like trying to get him to avoid sit down dinners like this and that he's abandoning the base. And it, because Trump is like someone who will take the advice of the last person he talks to, I mean, this remember that White House meeting where it was like Mike Flynn, Rudy Giuliani, uh, the Overstock dot com ceo and they all just kind of like barge into the white house and some like low-level staffers like okay here's the here's the Oval <laughs> office everybody mr trump will be right with you and and then pat Cipollone famously had to run across the campus like, in the middle of this crazy meeting so it's the long uh, slow-mo <laughs> no yeah yeah <laughs> the screenplay we're gonna write together about the whole thing <laughs> yeah so it's 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 just more bizarre like this and if, you know of course because they have status and they have fan bases trump is more likely to listen to them than he is to listen to i don't know jason miller who you know has made a career out of clinging to trump like a barnacle so and obviously he's not listening to his son-in-law anymore who's jewish <laughs> And his well, daughter, I, technically, as well, right? Like, and his grandchildren. I mean, that's the other marriage. Of, yeah, that's the other marriage of. Yeah. I was going to say that's almost literally the other marriage of convenience and all this. The actual marriage is that you know he, he they can buttress these anti-Semitic charges. Well, his grand his his son-in-law is Jewish, and his grandchildren are Jewish. I was like, I don't think Donald Trump even thinks about that stuff. Um, and all until does, he has to, yeah, right? until he has to, yeah. But I think if you said to Trump. If you got him down like for an interview and said like how can you like entertain anti-semites when you have jewish people in your family i don't think you would understand the question no i'd be like i love the jews i have jewish people in my family yeah i love israel yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like when we had a certain mayoral candidate on and we asked her about like using the word globalist and Ooh. yeah it's yeah that went well yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. All right. Let's um let's move on to uh China where there is I think at last count 17 different cities in China where they are seeing protests. Uh, the protests are essentially about COVID zero protests in China. They have a policy of like restricting the spread of COVID as much as possible, but this has resulted in some really draconian measures considering where we are, including this instance in Rumji, which is a city in Northwest China. There was an apartment building on fire and the, and the fire department had trouble accessing the building and getting their hoses into position because of these massive barriers that were erected around the building, essentially locking people in because a couple of people in the building had COVID. And this is by far the worst disaster. Uh, 10 people have been killed. Numerous people have been injured. But I mean, it's part and parcel of uh, a policy in China that has um, forced people, you know, some pretty desperate stories of people, you know, uh, packing a bag and running when they hear somebody in the building has a cough it's or you know being locked up and opening the 15th story window and and you know going for a walk it's mm. it you know a, a lot of these are are really i mean in, in so much as and scotty knows this better than anyone as much as no one wants to get covid uh, china seems to have taken it a bit too far and it now seems to be biting them yeah, and uh, th- this is, I guess we call it the the fire was the the tipping point for a lot of people. There was mm. already some grumbling. I mean, there's always there are, you know, contrary to popular belief, there are protests in China, just not to this level. This is like, I heard one report saying this this sort of outstrips Tiananmen Square in terms of the number of people that are involved in these protests. Yeah, because of course it's the optics. What's that? Because it's nationwide. It's not just because it's nationwide, and that, that that's hard to suppress, even if you are effectively a, a police state mm. and the optics aren't helping with the, the it's like right out of the movies, the people in the, in the Tyvek suits, the cops running at the, <laughs> like, it, it's just, you know, children of men, you name it. Right. But yeah, uh, yeah so it, it's, it is, it's snowballed from that. So the descent, the discontent has come from this fire. It's like, okay, so I'm going to be, you want me to be locked down. I'm going to be trapped in this in inside. And then that's going to be me. No, thank you. So, they borrowed some techniques. The protesters borrowed techniques from Hong Kong, this sheet of paper, which I think people have probably seen if they watch any news holding up, you know, you're not allowed to say certain things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but I, I, I suspect there's going to be a law passed soon about you cannot hold up a sheet of paper. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and one of them interestingly had a formula on it, which was it, like the Friedman equation. So this is, this is the workaround is like, because it sounds like Freeman, Mm-hmm. I guess they were holding up this. I don't even know what it means, but I mean, it means what they want it to mean. Or the dude holding up the flowers. It's like, I'm just holding up flowers and they, you know, gets arrested, of course. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're losing control of, of the messaging. It looks it, to me, it looks like a lot of people in China, obviously, well, they don't want COVID, mm-hmm. um, but the, the wearing of masks and regular hygiene things and see, they always have that shot of the people getting swabbed on the street, right? Yeah. And I guess they just do it with universal uh, ID badges, like, okay, you have COVID, you don't have COVID. Um, but I, I would also suspect that people are maybe trying to hide the fact that they have COVID as well. But, you know, it, it's understandable that they they need to do something now, because if, they ha- if there had been no protocols things would have been a hell of a lot worse for them and possibly the world, right? In, ter- right. in terms of that many people uh, having COVID and mutations and whatever. But the, the problem is, is that all of that is being used to, you know, 
suppress expression, I guess, to a degree with, you know, people's phones getting cleared. Um, tell, and they, I didn't know this didn't even have Telegram and it's illegal to have a VPN. So you can't have all the information. Has to, I was on it once. I can't, so I can't even remember the name of Chinese Facebook, which is their main mm-hmm. uh, site. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I should have smashed my computer after I was on that. <laughs> I don't really, <laughs> I don't really know. There's an IP address in the ward. Uh, yeah. But it, it was worth checking out. Just to, not that I could even read a thing. But so I mean, that's it. It's 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 closed. It's supposed to be a closed system. But that, there there's there's cracks in that, and mm. and some. I mean, they're obviously. I don't know how wide these cracks going to open. Supposedly today they said, "Oh no, okay, we're gonna we're gonna change our lockdown policy," and I don't know if they were just saying that to sort of quell the dissent mm-hmm. and hope that people will uh, calm down. But it, it's at least right now it's not looking that way. Yeah, it's. I, I think the 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 lifting of the the lockdown measures is is kind of a band aid. You know, it feels like a hail mary, um, or, or however that translates in China. It it just seems like it's 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 it does feel like if it's a if it's a legit thing, then they're admitting defeat. And there's one thing that you do when you're the totalitarian leader of of some place like China is it's a it's admit defeat. And part of the problem, too, is you may be thinking to yourself, well, you know, there are a lot of people here who don't wear masks and we don't do a lot of PCR testing anymore. And, it's, you know, I think there's there's a case that can be made that, you know, between North America's kind of laissez-faire attitude about COVID and China's like ultra draconian <laughs> treatment of COVID, maybe there's a happy middle. But, you know, one of the things is that there is a Chinese vaccine for COVID and it's not as good as either Moderna or Pfizer or any of the other treatments that have come up. So you may be saying, so, well, shouldn't like they have vaccines and stuff? What's all that? Well, they do, but China is not going to um, look to the West and use Western uh, companies. And, and, you know, and uh, worth pointing out too that both Moderna and Pfizer have enjoyed, um, you know, funding from Western countries in order to accelerate the development of those vaccines too. So they'd be not only be taking advantage of Western um, intellectual property, but Western capitalism, which uh, wouldn't look good. Although I, I was listening to a podcast today and somebody said, you know, it's, it's a bit surprising that China hasn't stolen the the formula hmm. for one of those vaccines and, and duplicated and just called it. it their own. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's a bit surprising too. It's, it, it, and one of the interesting things I heard too today was that one of the one of the things, yeah, the apartment fire is a big one. But one of the things that also has spurred this on is the World Cup because people in China are watching the World Cup and they're seeing people in Qatar like filling stadiums uh, unmasked for the most part, watching soccer, having a good time, and they're seeing this and going, "What the hell?" <laughs> so it, you know, there are, it, there are multiple sort of factors going into this, um, but you know. I, I, I'm I'm suspicious that anything's going to permanently re- re- result in any kind of permanent change in China. But it is interesting that you can actually put Xi, who styles himself as like leader for life, um, you can push him on a back foot. Um, this is this is the worst blowback he's gotten yet, and um, you know he's gotten some blowback. So, um, and, and given the Western uh, media response, he he has to act carefully. Um, cause even Justin Trudeau, like got out the hickory switch today and you, you'd think, you know, after everything the last two years, 
Justin Trudeau might watch the, the language, but he's he was pretty firm today. Like, no, everybody has a right to free expression and protest. So um, that, that none of this is a great look for Xi either. And, you know, the next couple of days are are going to be very telling in terms of how he responds. Yeah, and I was thinking that when I saw Trudeau today, it's like the next if if Convoy 2.0 happens, it'll be like, you know, <laughs> they'll be like, this is just like China, but. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they heard that Trudeau was like, you know, you should really be able to protest, but because mm-hmm. uh, I don't think all the, it, there has there's been talk or people saying that Xi should step down, but I mean that that's the level of it. It, it hasn't been like you know, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a bullet with Xi's name on it, and I'm, that's as was I'm paraphrasing the Canadian protests. So there is definitely a there's a marked difference there as to the two things, but. Yeah, when these kinds of when these kinds of things snowball, it's like I don't I don't know if they'll see a, um, well they probably won't now. I mean, even because the, the regardless of the cap that they're trying to put on information, it's so much more widespread now. I mean, Tiananmen, I think it was tough to get details out when that happened, but now it's like since everybody's got a phone, you can you can't police all the phones, you can't police all of the information that's that's getting out, and it is getting out too. And yeah. they yeah they make excuses for it. They're like they'll say oh. Oh, no, well, that's just, you know, what you're seeing there, their spokesperson that's on all the time. He's like, <laughs> what, what you're seeing in there isn't actually what happened. It's like, well, you know, they do say unverified reports, but yeah, it, it, the odds are really good that, you know, the the flames licking the building and the, and the, you know, the emergency people can't get in. Yeah, that probably really happened, right? So. Well, you know, so much it's it's it, the medium it, is the it, message. It's it's the abundance of information too, and there are only so many times you can see a different group of people throwing rocks at, you know, guys in mylar suits that you know you 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 don't start to question the the story. And I think you mentioned the freedom convoy, and you know, you go to those protests, although we haven't seen too many of them lately. You know, the the topic of conversation is like, you want to be like China? It's like, well, um. In some ways, <laughs> <laughs> like the masks everywhere. Yeah, yeah. But Let's you know, in, ter- in terms of like you know, people were phrasing our lockdowns like their lockdowns, which just wasn't the case. And I, one of the things nobody's talked about is like, can we maybe like finally, once and for all, put the 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 the, the wooden stake in the heart of these conspiracy theories that China created COVID as a bioweapon? Because if they can't even control their own bioweapon. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we can let China off the hook for intentionally creating COVID. You know, maybe we can put that conspiracy theory to bed. I don't know. Um, but I'll leave that there. I'll let I'll let the people decide, as it were. <laughs> anyway, because we are a democratic outfit here. That's, that's right. exactly correct. Um, uh, speaking of democracy, we are going to talk to one of the recently elected new councilors to Guelph City Council, Michelle Richardson, from Ward Three. You are listening to. Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. Let me 
And that was Christine Perfect from her 1970 debut album, self-titled Christine Perfect, but you know her better as Christine McVie. Christine McVie, from, uh, better known from Fleetwood Mac, uh, died this week at the age of 79 from an illness. Uh, the song was called I'm On My Way. So we know the voice. It was a different version of the voice, but you know, she definitely left her mark in the music world. Fleetwood Mac was a Voltron band, and I, I'm not sure people know that. Whereas um, I can't remember the original name of Mick Fleetwood's band, but then it was um, Buckingham Knicks joined them, and that's how they became Fleetwood Mac. So it, it's like it, it really was like different pieces coming together to form this. A superish group, kind super, of. Yeah, well, they like, did. They did become a super group. Like, well, uh, they were a super. Yeah, they were after you know rumors and. I remember 1977, believe it or not, and that thing <laughs> was everywhere. <laughs> I mean, absolutely opened a door that was coming out of it. And still, like, went still to the rink for skating. It was on the PA, you know. Was, uh, <laughs> well, and 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 still super popular. Like, if you, there's a there's a car commercial that uses a Fleetwood Mac song. There was that. Um, that was an indigenous fellow who was riding the skateboard and mouthing the words to dream. Oh so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's you know, they're still Drinking super relevant. Juice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh where were we? We weren't this isn't a Fleetwood Mac appreciation show. <laughs> anyway. Um, and now we're with Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Oh, I wish. Um we interviewed uh Ward Three City Councilor Michelle Richardson uh earlier this week. Uh, I talked to her right after the day after Bill 23 became law. So obviously that factor is big in our conversation about what happens now. There's a planning meeting at city council next week, including final approval of a piece of property in Ward 3. And we talk about that. And we also talk about how Michelle is an employee of Wellington County, now a Guelph city councillor. And the situation may not be as weird as you think. And we're going to talk about all that uh, in our interview, which I'm going to press play on starting right now. So, Michelle Richardson, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Adam. Uh, how about this to start? Um, we're going to talk about issues, but uh, just to sort of revisit the campaign for a minute. Um, I couldn't help but notice that uh, the outgoing Ward 3 councillor was female and that uh, your new constituents voted for you, the one female on the ballot um to to replace them or, or to replace june i should say or succeed june uh is that something you feel that uh you know maybe ward three needs a, a mother figure or uh, just needs a you know a f- female presence to, to represent them on council that uh you know not not to say anything about your platform or your abilities or or you know the other things that might have weighed but it, it, i just i find it interesting that kind of coincidence well, you could have went with sister as opposed to mother figure. Fair enough. So, fair enough. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, I, I don't know. I, I tend not to think too much in those um, concepts of, you know, a female elected or a male elected. I was hoping that it was just elected based on the best person who people thought were the best person for the job. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. I just, I, the coincidences I find interesting. Um, it is for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's talk about being thrown into the deep end. Um, and I think uh, I've heard some of your colleagues already talk about this. I've already talked to some of your colleagues about this. But uh, in terms of, you know, getting elected one day and then the province is announcing big sweeping changes to all these acts that govern planning in, at the municipal level, 
Um, are you feeling like maybe in so much as anyone can be, pre- be prepared for a job of city councilor, like were you adequately prepared for just the the size of the the storm that's been kind of thrown at you? Like, is this, I guess what I'm asking is, is this still kind of the job you were, were running for? Yes and no. I, I understand, you know, we all knew there were going to be housing issues. We were really not prepared for Bill 23 and the enormous size of it and the enormous impacts on a municipality. And it takes me back to, you know, back in the 90s when we had a lot of the housing downloaded from the province. Um, I wasn't in a role there that I was very involved, but I remember uh, hearing about it when I joined municipal government as an employee. 20 years later, people saying they were still struggling with the impacts that uh, we had received when we that when the housing was downloaded to the province or to the municipalities. Um, so the fact I, I'm just glad that we were fully aligned as a council and everybody knew that this was going to have really significant impacts was going to be, you know, something that we didn't want to support and we were unanimous in that, which was really nice. But it's still there's still a lot to learn regarding on how all of those impacts are going to affect, in fact, affect our city. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's going to take a lot of time for, you know, the new councillors to really get there, be able to wrap their heads around. In regard to that unanimity, it didn't seem to have much of an effect because it's they, they finished the, the committee consultations uh, on Friday. We're talking on Tuesday. It, it was passed, received royal assent on Monday. Um so the United Front didn't seem to work. So I guess, you know, in, in terms of your thinking, I mean, what's what's next for, like, what can the municipalities do now? What can Guelph do now? And the interesting thing, you said the United Front didn't work, and it wasn't just a city of Guelph United Front. Right. It was a 444 municipality United Front that fell completely on deaf ears. Um. And we can only move forward. We can only do what we have to do to the best of our ability. And I'm not even sure what that's going to look like. You know, the staff's going to have to go back and, and look at, uh, um, you know, what do the deep dive into what really needs to be done and how we can do it. And uh, I'm really concerned for the impact that it's going to have on the residents and, and the and our budget. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's uh, that's going to be a point of concern next week when council does um does the workshop about budgeting uh making the city budget multi-year budgets and which is the way the city is now doing these things i guess um what what are some of the blind spots you you have going forward in terms of you know thinking about the financial impacts of these things we we heard about some of them at the council meeting but is there anything specifically you're worried about or something you want to learn um that that kind of help can help you in understanding the full impact of some of these changes Wow, there's so many, Adam, like, you know, the infrastructure, you know, I'm not well versed in the true grassroots of infrastructure and how it will be impacted. Water, uh, again, that's another, I don't understand a whole lot about how, you know, water will be impacted by these, with this kind of accelerated growth. Um, And and is it truly going to make affordable housing when, uh, you know, what, what's the province seeing as affordable and attainable when we know that the cost of labor, the cost cost of lumber are, are still going to be relatively high. So, you know, how, how are they deeming that these are going to be houses affordable and attainable for all? Um, 
if you're a lower income family, even a lower income that's making, a, you know, a living wage, is it is it going to be enough to be able to have a down payment to purchase one of these homes? Right. And the other factor, and I think that it's not an especially Ward 3 issue, but I mean, Ward 3 is one of the oldest parts of town. So one can imagine that there's uh, a lot of the specific impacts about heritage and heritage protection, things on the list that have been waiting for designation for years. Uh, now we have two years to, uh, I guess, designate as much as humanly possible, which uh, for people who don't know, uh, I think the heritage staff has three, two or three full-time people plus a summer student. So it is how big, how big of a, a concern is, is heritage stuff for you now? It's a big concern for me because I'm, I'm I'm a true supporter and believer in the protection of of heritage buildings. And even if it's not, uh, you know, you can't save the building, but even the landmarks and the history that goes with it, you know, you, in other municipalities, you'll see ho- houses that just have a little a plaque on them that says this was, you know, John Smith, who was a blacksmith and so and so was a pharmacist. And um, I think I think that part of our history and heritage is incredibly important. And, and Guelph has a really cool history and heritage to it. So yeah, to be to, to put that at risk, I think is very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Are you worried about I mean, no one runs for city council without sort of having a, a to do list of their own um, because, you know, people who run for office are, are residents and citizens, too. Um, the things you wanted to come and counsel to council to do um, has these sort of changes from the provincial government radically changed your personal agenda? Like, uh, you, you know, is are, are things you came to council to do now forced to take second place because of everything that's happened in the last you know month and a half? Well, that's funny that you ask say that, that nobody would run for city council without a, a, an agenda or platform of their own. So I must be the truly odd man out because <laughs> apart from the, and, and I got that question a lot on my campaign trail. Tell me about your agenda. I said, I don't really have one. Like I, I see my work as being your representative and for the representative of Ward 3, but also a representative for the city as a whole, because things that happen in, in, in Ward 3, you know, may impact the rest of the, the residents of the city of Guelph. So, um, you know, of course, you know, mental health and housing and all of those social services, I think everybody wants to do their part to help, uh, you know, fix that system to the best that we can and have the biggest impact that we can as a municipality. But I really didn't have a strong personal agenda mm-hmm. other than to to be the voice for people who maybe didn't have one of their own. Well, let's look at it from that point of view, then, from what people told you about, like their wants, their needs, um, their hopes, you know, does does, you know, recent events make, you know, fulfilling those, you know, that wish list that much harder? I mean, is are your residents forced on the to be to wait, wait for their priorities on the back burner while, you know, council has to deal with all these provincial changes? Absolutely. And I'm not sure what that's going to look like yet, but 100%. I mean, if we have to invest, you know, all think of the money that's going to have to go into that accelerated growth, because it's not just about, oh, we're going to build some more houses. It's needing the money to sustain the infrastructure, needing the money to sustain the water, uh, needing um, the space. Is that going to affect our parkland, which is very important? Like there, it's just so big that for sure there's going to be things that are going to have to uh, fall off the plate. You're, you know, I 
equate it to going to a buffet, right? You can only put so much on the plate before things start to fall off. And there's going to be a lot of things that start to fall off, not to mention um, the financial impact that it could have and, and tax tax rates, which, you know, I was really hoping personally that we could try to do, you know, post COVID, I knew it would be a bit more difficult, but to try to keep our tax base as low as we can, like, definitely had to be an increase. But I'm really concerned now what, what we're going to have to do in order to uh, do what the province says we are mandated to. Right, right, right. Uh, let's talk to uh, some of the stuff that's coming up at next week's planning meeting. Um, one of it is one of the decisions is in Ward Three, so I found that interesting, just in terms of timing. Um, the the proposed development for Enberg Road, um, council is or excuse me, staff is recommending that that uh, project, which I think it's a commercial lot now that's empty. Um, I should know because I go by there all the time, but it, it's <laughs> it's it's an old commercial lot. They want to put two apartment towers there with commercial on the ground floor. Staff says this is fine. This checks all our boxes i can imagine though that uh you know there might be some concern about having two towers in an area where there aren't many towers presently so uh this is your neck of the woods so you know how do you feel about and which lot are you referring to is that the one by speed by ember in london right yeah that one yeah so it used to be the old white rose i think that's right yeah now that you mention right. it yeah so <laughs> yeah, well, I've been around a long time, Adam. That's, that's uh, fair. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think it's a great spot for uh, residential units. There would be room for parking. It's not, you know, really impacting anybody else's living space. And I really hope that that can go through. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it's similar to, I mean, it's not as big, obviously, but on the same agenda, it's going to be the the uh, statutory meeting for a new development on Hadadi Road, which isn't your ward. Just so I'm, just so everyone's clear, you, it's, it's, it's not your neck of the woods, but it's 24, a plan for 24 stacked townhouses, uh, replacing a currently, I guess it's empty or nearly empty commercial plaza. Um, seems to be pretty straightforward, but I did note when the agenda was 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 posted, it's already got three delegates on it. So it could be one of these things where there's like a neighborhood impact. And I know, again, appreciating this isn't your neck of the woods. This is not an uncommon thing, I think. And I think a lot of, as, as I can imagine, having sat through a lot of planning meetings, I can imagine a lot of the um, concerns that area people are going to bring forward. And I think this is going to be right. a, this is going to be a repeated thing that this council is going to have to deal with the demand on housing, the dent, the increase in density, and then neighborhood concerns about what density is going to mean for them. So I guess in terms of your thinking, maybe you could share with us a bit of, you know, how using this specific example, I mean, how, how does council balance all these concerns given the pressures? And, it, and it's not, it's not an eat. That's why, that, that's why people don't want to be counselors. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> everyone said to me, are you crazy? <laughs> uh, it, 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 these are really, really tough decisions. And we just have to look at the, the, the balance of almost like, you know, that pros and cons list to make it, to simplify it to that much, you know, yes, there's going to be some negative impacts regardless of any kind of growth, wherever it is. Um, not everybody's going to be happy. So we have to look at the benefit to the greater good mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and really look at that 
thoughtfully and hard. Right. And I guess what's the response then to the neighborhood? Because I think I see this blowback again, given my experience sitting through planning meetings, there, there's a definite feeling that when you go through those lists, you, you, you know, you'd look at the pros, look at the cons, the pros outweigh the cons. It's still people's neighborhoods and, and people, you know, don't like change. And I, and I, you know, right. it's, it's, it's not so much nimbyism. It's, it's, it's a, just a general fear of change. And I guess, um, is, is, have you thought about like maybe better ways to engage those concerns? Um, and like, and they're universal concerns. They're not just limited to sort of one ward. They are universal concerns. And that's, uh, as I said, infrastructure is not, you know, one of my areas of strength. So it's certainly one that I've got a lot to, to learn about, but you're absolutely right. I don't, I agree with you. It's not necessarily NIMBYism. It's, um, it's people don't like change. And even yeah. when I was knocking on doors, I had people say to me, and before we even got the news that we have to grow twice as fast as what we thought we were growing, people say, you know, we don't want any growth. And, you know, you try to <laughs> yeah. explain, well, we, we, we need to have the growth because we're such a, you know, a lucky area where we have so much so many so much jobs so much work available you know we have you know hospitals a long couple of long-term cares we have the university we have the city and the county which both employ a lot of people um, so much manufacturing and we have to be able to have the people to be able to keep that going so that we can uh, you know really be a vibrant community but it's hard and and, and people don't want it and, and we, we rec I think most counselors recognize that but uh, it's, it's a fact of life that we have to try to manage the best way we can. You know, Guelph always had that uh, um, small town feel. Even, right. you know, even when we were a city, people still, and if you're a longtime resident like myself, we still have that sort of small town feel to Guelph. You can still go down to Stone Road Mall and run into people that you've seen, <laughs> you know, or haven't seen in a while. And, and uh, you know, you don't want to lose that. By, and I understand why people don't want to lose that. But. You know, mm -hmm. we, we still have to make sure that we can keep the community vibrant and prosperous. Right, right, right. Uh, I want to ask you a couple of procedural things before we wrap up. And, and one of them is somebody um, sent this to me. It's a question about your, your day job. Um, for people who don't know, you work for the County of Wellington um, as a staff member, not as a decision maker, just to right. make that clear. Um, now you are uh, a decision maker at the city of Guelph. So have you considered how, I, I guess, how you're going to manage those two jobs because you're making decisions at the city of Guelph that will have a financial impact on your employer? Well, actually, there's not very much, many decisions that I would have to make uh, that would have a financial impact on, on the city or the county. Um, I work in HR, so I hire people to work here. I'm, I'm not involved really in any of our services. Um, but And I think people think that because the social services are shared, mm. that there's a lot more control over the amount of money that goes back and forth but those the housing and social services are actually delivered by the county on behalf of the province right and there 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 are a number you know and there are, there's a formula on how much the city has to pay and it's basically based on uh the level of service so uh we go by the, i believe the the social services goes by the last known address of the client requesting the service if it's a county address then that 
sort of would be counted in the county's service uh, level if it's if it's a person their last known address was the city or if they're homeless where are you homeless are you homeless in the county are you homeless in the city if we're building housing more housing units or or acquiring more housing units the cost share is greater if that housing unit is in the county that cost share is greater in the county uh, if it's for the city it's greater in the city so it's it's pretty well divided um, there would be a very rare chance, maybe if they were looking to buy some land or something, but right. I would just recuse myself. But it would be very, very rare that I would have any kind of uh, influence on any financial anything. Right. And so I, I, what I'm gathering is you kind of already had some of these discussions then about sort of where your pecuniary interest lies, because, I, you know, it's, it's not necessarily... Um, I, I don't think this person was necessarily accusing you of skullduggery, but it's just, you know, sort of a, a concern that, you know, everything looks on the up and up and that, you know, you as a counselor and that the city of Guelph and, and the county are just as transparent as possible. So just just so we're, 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 we're all clear that you've, you've, you've recognized that you can potentially have a conflict of interest and have, have looked to make sure that that is sorted out. Absolutely. And I actually looked into that before I put my name forward to make sure, um, you know, I spoke to the, the uh, solicitor and uh, uh, said, they, it, you know, there's nothing in the act that's, in fact, it's quite common, you know, uh, Scott Wilson, who was our CAO was a, at the County of Wellington, was a counselor at the town of Dufferin for many years. And Jennifer Adams, um, who works at the region of Waterloo, is now a counselor for um, Center Wellington. Mm -hmm. I actually, she's going to be our new, she's actually now our new uh, <laughs> county clerk. So I was going to say, I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> she's, so, she's, she's writing an even finer line. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But, uh, you know, I'm lucky the county is very supportive as the city is of, of me, you know, having both roles and, and I actually see it as a great benefit because I've already got some, you know, well-established and, uh, good working relationships in, in both areas. Mm -hmm. No, and I, and I would agree. Um, Jan, uh, December 6th is, is coming up and, uh, you know, recognizing that our council is now majority female. Uh, I, I feel like just, you know, because of the occasion, um, there's a lot of, I, I guess, um, pressure on, you know, making sure that uh, we are, trying to be as as open as possible and trying to be as inclusive as possible so you know you you have accepted the mantle of leadership as a city councillor um as as a woman um are it, you know i guess how are you feeling this december this as, as we approach december 6th and and our you know sort of our general goals of, of trying to be inclusive and diverse and making this a, a better safer world for for women everywhere I think that's a no a no brainer. I mean, that would that I, I was on the accessibility committee since two thousand and four at the county, working to help our you know our, all of our areas become diverse and inclusive, and you know whatever work we can do to make that happen. I, I think it's really important. I would hate to see an all female council. I would hate to see an all male council. Um, I, I love the fact that we have such a diverse council. You know, apart from just men and women, there are uh, all kinds of uh, um, all kinds of people and voices that are right. that are on this particular council, and I'm I'm quite excited for that. 
yeah, uh, I'm, I, I think I am too. Well, just to wrap up, um, and we, we don't normally ask people to give their digits, so to speak, at, at the end of these interviews, uh, but since you are, are a new counselor, uh, I'm, I just want to give you a minute to tell people where they can find you out there in, in the, the digital space if they want to reach out or if they have a question or comment or concern or whatever. How can people find you on the internet? Yeah, and that's great. I really appreciate that because, you know, you move from your campaign email address to the city <laughs> email address. So it's uh, michelle.richardson at guelph.ca. And just a reminder, there's only one Alan Michelle. So if you put two Alan, good reminder. Get it. Good reminder. <laughs> <laughs> um, I almost made that mistake writing the show notes for this week's episode, but uh, enough about me uh, and enough about you. I guess we are at the end of the interview. So Michelle Richardson, thank you so much for your time today and uh, good luck as we embark on this, uh, this crazy council journey made crazier by circumstances. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to chat again soon. Absolutely. Thanks Adam. I appreciate you having me. Okay, so that was Michelle Richardson from Ward 3. Uh, next week, we're going to move on to Ward 4. And, uh, or as, as I call it, the Quattro. Um, the Quattro, yeah. Which which I can get away with because I live in Ward 4. So it, that's 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 our term for Ward 4. Not Anyway, uh, we'll leave that there for this week. <laughs> Straight out of the Quattro. <laughs> Straight out of the Quattro. Um Yes, that is it for this week's show. We hope you liked it. You can stay connected to us at our website at opensourcesguelph.com. You can find us on Facebook at Open Sources Newswire or on Twitter at, un- at OS underscore Guelph. If you'd like to listen to our show again, you can download it from our website every Monday. You can get it at the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean or through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson or check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. I'm Scotty Hertz on Facebook, Scotty Hertz on Twitter, and if you're joining us on the FM right now, stay tuned for Turtle Island Underground. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, you can tell we're getting a little, it's getting close to the end of the year, we're getting a little punchy here. It's December, <laughs> hey, hey. Time for vacation, Chief, come on. <laughs> it's December, hey, it's December 1st today, so yeah, goodbye 2022. Uh, anyway. So long. <laughs> so long uh dear listeners money. and uh as scotty said stay tuned to great programming here on cfru 93.3 fm cfru.ca guelph campus and community radio we shall return next thursday at 5 p.m for another edition of open sources guelph and we will see you then